Hello and welcome to the Hey Boomer Show, the show for those of us who believe that we are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. My name is Wendy Green and I'm your host for Hey Boomer. And today we're going to be talking about horses, the love of horses, the love of riding horses, the love of being around horses, and doing all of this as women over 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. I personally don't know much about horses. I was never a rider. But after reading Fran Severn's book, Riders of a Certain Age, I have come to realize that she is not only talking about taking up riding as a new adventure. She really talks about taking up a new adventure and facing the fears around that. And yes, she she happens to wrap it around the idea of becoming a rider again. But the fear of facing a new activity is something that all of us experience. And being able to do the research and put us put it into perspective and face the fear and do it anyway, wisely, with some things around it, um, makes a lot of sense. So, and with Fran, she's gonna be telling us about all of the things she's learned about riding safely and being around horses safely. And there's a little fact that I think you all should know that will apply to this story of riders of a certain age. And that is that women over the age of 50 or 60 are the fastest growing segment of the recreational equine world. But before I bring her on, I want to mention one of my sponsors. Christine Baumgartner is a relationship coach and she works with people who want to be in relationship, but they have they feel like dating is foreign. They don't like the online dating sites. They don't feel comfortable with it. And she also works with people that are new in relationships. But, you know, those of us of a certain age have brought some baggage with us. And so she works with the couples on sorting through some of that so that they can have a more fulfilling relationship. Christine offers six-week classes and private one-on-one coaching for both men and women. And you can reach out to Christine on her website, theperfectcatch.com. There's a little quiz you can take there and then schedule a complimentary call with her. You will love her. I talked to her and she has helped me with certain things and um, tell her I sent you, okay? The other thing I want to mention is that I have, I have something called a vitality assessment on my website. So the vitality assessment will give you some insights into, are you fully vitalized? Do you have enough sustained energy for the day? Are you feeling like your cup may be half empty or maybe it's time to take stock and think about what you need to do to bring your game back up to where you want it to be? You can download the vitality assessment from heyboomer.biz. It's right there on the homepage. Just click on vitality assessment and get yourself some insight into where you are and what you might need to do to get to where you want to be. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that 
I have two new What's Next group coaching cohorts starting up. One starts this coming Saturday. The other one starts on Thursday, the 20th. So it gives people the choice of what works best for them. The first step in getting signed up for this is to schedule a 20-minute consultation with me. So it's a free 20-minute consultation. Um, you can sign up by going to heyboomer.biz slash coaching. And then we can talk. And we'll talk about creating your life plan based on your values and your purpose and, and what's important to you in this time of life and your vitality. And we'll talk about whether the What's Next group coaching program makes sense for you. So go ahead, fill up those slots. I don't, I know I don't have very many left open for this week. So quickly get in there, heyboomer.biz slash coaching and save your spot so that we can chat a little bit. And tell your friends too, right? Because nobody wants to be in pain as they're going through their um, retirement stage of life. So let me tell you a bit about Fran before I bring her on. Fran Severn is a freelance writer and broadcaster who grew up in the city, but was determined to get horses in her life. After earning her degree in mass communications, she worked in broadcast news in Louisville, Kentucky, where she covered the Kentucky Derby, events at the Kentucky Horse Park. She produced equine-focused features. And finally, she bought her first horse. Then she moved to England with her Air Force husband, and that's where she discovered dressage. And then she continued her training when she returned to the States. Her writing has appeared in USDF Connection, Newsday, The Trail Rider, Western Horseman, Dog Fancy, and Games. And she's written about the exclusive tailgate at the Royal Enclosure at the Ascot Races. She's also written about shipping horses to the Olympics and riding on the Civil War battlefields. Oh, and the chuck wagon races at the Calgary Stampede. She writes a lot. Um, Fran is a past president of the Eastern Shore Writers Association and former PR director for the Maryland Office of Tourism Develop Development. She currently lives on Maryland's Eastern Shore, but they are getting ready to move again. So Fran is on a new journey. So let's bring her on and welcome her to Hey Boomer. Hi, guys. Hi there. So are you dancing to the music? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Fran, it sounds like you always had or almost always had horses in your life. Yeah. And when you didn't, you kept being drawn back to them. Not being a horse person myself, what is it about horses that draws you so much? Oh, it is. I think it's genetic. Uh, I truly do. The, the people that, um, why, why do you have any kind of a, of a passion for something? And I think horses, because they give so much back. Um, scientifically, there is, there is evidence of this, that um, the horse's basic frequency heartbeat is very close to the human uh, most relaxed stage. So just being around horses makes you feel comfortable. Uh, they can detect your heartbeat from like 20 feet away, I think they've tested. And so I think that's that's part of it. There's that lovely communication that they give 
and they offer and they don't demand anything in return. So that just starts. Besides, they're just beautiful to look at. And they've got these velvety noses that when they snurfle on you, that just feels so good. They and are beautiful to look at. Yes. But, you know, the, the calmness, the, you know, I feel nervous around them because they're so big. They're big. They're, they're you know, a thousand pounds of, of muscle. And if you're dealing with a, a uh, even a gelding, it's a lot of testosterone. They may have taken away some of the parts, but they're still <laughs> big guys. And they have their own way of thinking and doing but um, it's a communications thing. I think for women in particular, you'll see so many young girls involved with horses because, and even as adults, as, as women, we are kind of, society kind of slots us into doing certain things and has certain expectations of how we're supposed to behave and what's fulfilling and what is our role. And horses, you can be yourself. There's mm -hmm. no demand. You don't have to dress a certain way. You can express your feelings and find yourself without how do we put it the external feedback from other people necessarily and i think that's important at any age you know at our age traditionally you're 60 65 you're supposed to sit home and play canasta and the idea <laughs> not that the boomers that i know not us <laughs> but to go out and say i've always wanted to be around horses even if you don't want to ride them there's always Oh, a charity or a, or a, a rescue that needs somebody to help out so that you can kind of ease yourself into it. So, so this calmness that the horses bring, I know one of my friends who's on watching now, um, she does some Hi. work with children and mm -hmm. horses, kind of therapeutic stuff. Yeah, what do you know about that? The therapeutic is amazing. Horses, I am, I, they're psychic. I had a friend, this is, okay, break out the Kleenex because this is the, this is the Kleenex moment, okay? <laughs> I had a friend who, um, her, her, one of her close friends, and she came over to the stable one day because she wanted to watch my niece and nephew riding. I had two horses at the time, a big red thoroughbred chestnut and big Marcus, who was my big warm blood buddy. And the woman had reached the point where she could barely move. And Heather Bowl, the, the mayor, comes out and sniffs her, puts her head on this woman's lap and just sighs. So the, oh, the horse barely... did that? Yes, Heather Bowl did this. And like, okay, I'm here for you. I'm a mama horse. I'm a mare. I'll take care of you. Mark comes over. Lamb Mark was a big Dutch warm blood, big bruiser. And he comes over and she was on the outside of the fence and he sniffed her all over and horses will do something that's called the flaming response. They'll, they'll flip up their top lip. And that's kind of like, you know, I'm checking her out. And he looked around and did this. And it's part of, she is now part of my herd. Huh. And he did this. And then I went and rode. And when I was done, he came over and sniffed her again, did it again. And I'm walking him back to the field. Well, he always liked to lay down and roll after a workout. <laughs> so he lays down and he starts rolling and this lady is laughing as best she can. And he gets up and he keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and they can only do so much. And he finally looks at me like, I can't do anymore. Gets up, shakes himself off, walks back over to her, sniffs her one more time, does the you're part of my herd one more time. And then looked at me as if to say, we can go now. Aww. There are so many, so many cases there's a lady who wrote a book called The Tao of Excess, T-A-O, like the um, 
like the down, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the tail. And she is a therapist in Arizona, New Mexico, somewhere down there. And her name is Linda Kolikoff, Kolichoff. And her whole book is How Horses Help, but many, many case studies. And some of them are amusing, but many of them are so poignant about how the horses will just pick up your, your needs and help you through them. And that's... Mm. Yeah, they're they're amazing, amazing animals. Which you see on Hollywood, they're always going to run you over, and they're whinnying and they're bolting. It's like, no, they're not like that, guys. <laughs> well, you actually go through in the book about many different horse breeds and their personalities yeah. too. So, for people that may be wanting to get back into riding that haven't mm -hmm. ridden in a while. They can refer to this book and find, you know, sure. ideas. Riders of a certain age find horses that might be right for them but i i wanted to ask you based on that <clears throat> if you haven't ridden in a while but you but you still have this bond with horses how do you start back safely find an instructor don't go get a horse because first off never buy a horse by yourself because horse deal the the, the, the stereotype of the crooked horse dealer unfortunately is very true um, but find yourself a good instructor. Chances are you may know people who are already riding. Go to the local um, tax store or the feed store. Go to horse shows and watch. And then talk to them. Say, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, this is, the, I, I may have ridden as a child, but forget that because that was a long time ago. Do you, you know, how would you work with a beginner? And I'm perfectly happy when, when I, for whatever reason, I may be someplace and you know, I, I need to take a class or I need to warm up. I'll ride with the kids because they have a wonderful time. Mm. And skill isn't age-based. But find an instructor who's comfortable with, with beginners of any age. One of our big issues is fear. Uh, that is not irrational. You're getting on this roughly thousand pound creature who probably if he's a schooling horse he's been there he's done that and he's old enough to have voted for jimmy carter but <laughs> he's going to be you know much very calm and you know let them know that i'm a little nervous about this and a good instructor will work with you i think everybody i've, I've been riding now years and i still even when i get on one of my guys it's like is he going to be calm is everything going to be okay really? and i think that's that's normal yeah. yeah, I could I could never be one of those inventors that's going, you know, hell bent for leather across the cross country field, jumping these whole things. I just sit there to keep going like this, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's yeah. And, and that's how you start. And then I wouldn't recommend buying a horse right away. Ride for a while. Make sure the bug is well and truly bitten, because you know, stable finances means all the money is going to the stable. Um, and and a horse is expensive. You know, the, yeah. the cheapest thing is, is the price of the horse. When you figure in everything else that's involved, cha-ching, cha-ching. And then maybe you lease a horse where somebody else owns it. You just pay the bills. Um, that if you get out of it, you're out nothing but your money. If you're trying to sell a horse, that is never easy. Mm -hmm. And then kind of work your way into, into deciding what kind of riding you want to do. Do you just want to, I don't say just, do you want a trail ride? Do you want to camp? Do you want to show? Do you want to jump? Do you want to do dressage? As the list goes on forever, yeah. and then the you know, then then your instructor will will be the person that can help you suss out where to find the right horse. 
Okay. So the first thing is to find an instructor and you gave some pointers about where to find the instructor, but how would, like, are there certain questions you would ask first about this instructor? To, well, yeah, find, to find, out, find out what their background is. This country, with the exception of the state of Massachusetts, you do not have to have any special training. My dog could go out and say I'm a, dog, I'm a trainer. Um, so ask for reputations. Um, have they had any training? There are places that can certify you. Uh, what's it? The National Riding Instructor Certification. Uh, there's, a, there's a list. I think they're in the book, actually. And then a lot of the well-known trainers um, will have their own certification. John Lyons and his son, they're very well-known. Pat Pirelli, Linda Pirelli. Um, they have their own programs. Well, you'll go and you'll work with them for a few months and pick up a certification that you know their training method. Um, but, and then if you look at, um, there's a lot of people, you go online, there are people that have online courses that you can actually um, see what they do and get the course. Personal is always better, obviously. But um, ask around who's a good trainer. Mm -hmm. uh, don't take a, you know, go up and say, this is what I'm interested in. If you're interested primarily in recreational riding for trail rides on the beach, you don't want to go someplace where they're taking their students to a um, uh, a big show with big jumps every week. It's it's a show board, so you have to kind of find one right. that evens out. Um, hang around, ask if you can watch a couple of lessons. Uh, that's a good idea. Always yeah. ask if you can take a few lessons. Walk around, take a look at the barn. You may not know the, the minutiae, but you can tell if it's tidy, if the horses seem relaxed, are the people friendly, because you will be spending a lot of time there. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, no, don't take just one lesson and leave. Probably a lot of them, they'll offer packages of like five lessons. Take the five. It'll take you that long to get acclimated. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't feel it's a great uh, a great match and say, well, you know, this was fun. I'm going to check a few other places. And most of the, the professionals will say, certainly they don't want you to stay if you're not happy uh, right, because it's right. not going to be good for either of you. Uh, but that's, that's kind of how it starts. Okay. So, so the book writers yes. of a certain age, what are some of the things you, you mentioned things like menopause and eyesight and so, yeah. um, why, why are those things that we have to take into consideration if we just want to ride for fun? Well, I mean, physically, as we get older, things change. You know, um, and you don't often hear like the young kids that wear the spandex without worrying about the cellulite. Um, you know, we, we do slow down. Um, and a lot of the book, I talk about how we adjust as we get older, how we think differently, we learn differently. Um, actually, most of it's very good. If we stay active, our brains stay more active. Physically, it may take us long. We lose coordination. It may take us longer to learn a physical um, movement. But um, once we've got it, it's locked in. But we do have to take into consideration that, you know, we're going to move more slowly. Our reflexes are a little slower. As we age, our vision begins to go like this, which means our balance starts to go. So we have to pay more attention about our balance. And there's some things in there that talk about that, about dealing with our, our peripheral vision, which again is something that happens very slowly 
and we don't realize it because it's happening very slowly. And that affects us not just on horseback, but just walking. If we, as we get older, our peripheral vision starts to go. So what we do is we start to look forward and down to where we're going. Now our balance, now instead of our center of gravity being here, we're like this, which mm -hmm. means we are more likely to fall. So expanding that, be it on horseback or on the ground, that's critical. Um, replacement parts, I, I belong to probably a half a dozen different online groups specifically for older women riders. There's a couple that are co-ed, but it's mostly women. And they'll say, you know, I've had a hip replaced. My knee is bothering. My back's bothering me. Um, I've had cancer. Can I still ride? And it's just to say that, yeah, well, there, there may be limitations. Um, what bothers me is people say, well, the doctor said it'll be six weeks, but I think I can push it. And I always say, when they say like, six weeks after, say I've had meniscus surgery on my knee, six weeks, I'll give it eight or 10 because normal to them means grocery shopping. It's not hauling a saddle on a horse and mm. going out, extend the time as frustrating as it may be. When I've gone through some, some medical things, I didn't try to ride. I put a halter on chance and we just go for a walk through the woods, which is a oh, whole nother okay. way of developing a relationship that the two of you were just kind of hanging out. There was a time when I couldn't do much of anything and I had a 22 foot rope, clipped it on him while he he was grazing around. I was sitting there in a beach chair with a book and a CD of Jimmy Buffett. And we just sat there for a week <laughs> while I healed. And it was wonderful. So you were just you hanging out with to, your horse. Yeah, you know, people think you, one must ride and you don't. It's just being with them. It's It's a different type of being outside and being active. And you start to so, meet some good friends. Go ahead. So being a rider, does that mean that you also have to get involved in brushing the horse and mucking out yeah. the stalls and doing yeah. all that yucky stuff? Well, no, that's, <laughs> there are places you can go where the horse will come out and you're just on him and somebody else does all the trading and you do. But if you want to be, you know, get to know that creature and him to know you, yeah, you agree. And that can be like Zen, wax on wax off wax on wax off and it's fun the two of you and it's it's like giving a friend a massage and they like it they love it they love to be fussed with and you find out what their treats are the one horse i had i lost him last summer unfortunately he liked ginger snaps but only certain brands no if way I didn't buy the brand he liked he'd look at me like really apples there are several horses I know. They'll like this one and this one, but not that one. And it's it's very funny. Some horses that like peppermints. Some horses won't touch them. I my <laughs> chance chance did not like watermelon, but his best friend would run you over if you had a piece of watermelon in your hand. So Isn't they've got their funny? they've got their own personalities. So it's like a different kind of friendship. And as far as the mucking out and all, that's part of it. There is a very <laughs> funny. I think the charts in the book. It's the Kentucky Equine Nutrition Company, I think it's called. I may have messed it up. They put out a chart of how many calories you burn. So oh, it's how many right. calories you burn mucking out the stall, how many calories you burn grooming, riding, whatever. And the last one I love is how many calories you burn trotting around a field trying to catch a horse that doesn't want to come in. <laughs> that wasn't here. I'm looking for yes. it now. 
Yes. <laughs> if, if you are tremendously fastidious or tremendously um, lacking a sense of humor, this probably is not the field for you because you have to you have to laugh at yourself. The number of times I've you know run into the grocery store with my my boots covered with mud. I try to avoid the mucky parts, but you know, straw in your hair because <laughs> I've got to get something for dinner and I didn't feel like you know, frozen pizza. I don't feel like cooking. <laughs> so they do. So they they have personalities like dogs and cats. And, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like that's always said that um, straight a hot blooded horse that'll be a thoroughbred or an Arabian. So they might be not the best for uh, Arabians. It depends, but thoroughbreds, they're bred to be racehorses. And so a lot of them will tend to be a little more reactive. Um, warm bloods, which are a blend of, of a cold blood horse is uh, a quarter horse, the Clydesdales, the big horses, they're very calm. And a warm blood is a cross between the two. And then you get the Frisians, which are those big black horses with the black feathers and they move like this. They, they all think that they're Labrador retrievers. They are the sweetest things in the world. Quarter horses are very sensible. They're the Western horses. That's John Wayne's horse. They're very sensible. They would be probably most instructors would recommend a quarter horse for somebody's first horse because they're born smart. And, you know, so it's, it's but it depends on you as well. So it's, it's, um, you know, it, it, you never end the, the different personalities. During COVID, I was boarding both of my horses right across the street, but she had closed the barn for a while. We could not go up there until we figured out what was going to happen. Mm. And her horses were in a back field. It was a 20 acre field in the back, but she was working on the field, um, fertilizing it. So she moved them all to a field up front where I could see them. And she said, you can come up and say hi. So I went up and my two horses came over to say hi. Well, the rest came over too, because this is Aunt Franny, who's always bringing treats and fussing with us. And my two horses kept chasing everybody else away. <laughs> this, Mom's is our, here. this is our mom. Our mom. And it's, <laughs> it's fun to watch how they play and how they figure each other out. And it's, it's sometimes like dealing with um, a, a classroom of kids. Yeah. yeah. So you, so when we talked, and I said this in the beginning too, that the, the book, although it focuses on horses, there is an overriding message of Definitely. being able to take on something new, take mm -hmm. on a new challenge. Tell me more about your thoughts about that. I was stunned. I was asked to submit the book to the Equus International Film and Arts Festival last year. I said, okay, fine. So I, yes, of course. You asked me to win. I will do this. And it <laughs> won the award for the best inspirational book. And I had never thought of it that way because I was focused on telling people, you know, how to deal with your fear and what your finances are and end of life for the horse. And I said, well, I guess it is because the overriding theme is you can do whatever you choose to do, be it horses or anything else. Um, you, there may be limitations, but if you really want to do something, as I said, be it horses or whatever, there's nothing stopping you. Here's how we think as, as, as seniors. Here's how we physically react as seniors. Here's what we can do with our decades of of maturity i hate it when people say she's 70 years young Ooh, oh i, I find know that I hate so that too. insulting 
Yeah. That's yeah. that's negating my wisdom, my successes, my massive goofs. And let me keep going. I don't want to stop. And I think that's to my surprise when I think about it, that really is the underlying the underlying message is you can probably do most of the things you want. And if you try it and for whatever reason it doesn't work, you tried it. Do you want to sit there and say, really wish I had done that, but oh, well, I'd rather try it and say, well, that's not for me. I'll go do something else now. Um, and and I, I think that one of the things that, that the research indicates very heavily is people who stay active, they live longer, um, they're happier, they have a more positive outlook, they're much more able to deal with the, uh, the bad hands we are sometimes dealt with the losses that are inevitable as we get older, um, and and we have better health um, overall. Our blood pressure and all the stuff that people frequently are are um, you know taking medications for, maybe they don't need them as, as often. I it cracks me up every time I go to a new doctor and they say, "Well, who is your cardiologist? Who's your rheumatologist? Who's this?" I said, "I don't have any of them," and they look at me like, "Really?" I said, "No, I'm sorry, I'm healthy mostly." Um, and I, I think that's, that may be the overall message, you know, through horses, you could do this, but overall you could do anything you really want to pretty much. Yeah. And I, you know what? I love it on the back of your book. It says it's never too late for horses. And you know right. how I say with my show, you're never too old to set right. another goal or dream a new dream. So I think it is the overriding message that no matter what you want to try. Yeah. I, I mean, if you don't try it. Next year's, you're just a year older and, and, and still you still haven't, haven't tried it. tried it. I know people that are in their 70s, they probably will, they're they're taking flying lessons. Uh, my husband's a flight instructor and I am also a pilot. That's an addendum to my life. And, you know, when you hit 75, you can't get insured. But they said, I've always wanted to learn to fly. So maybe they only go as far as a few lessons or maybe they solo, maybe they do get their license, but that's really difficult. It's very expensive and time consuming these days, but they said, I've always wanted to do it. So let me go take a couple of lessons. Why not? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, my brother-in-law has a hot air balloon and I'd never, oh. I'd never ridden in one and it scares a lot of people, but I was like, I want to ride. It was amazing. Yes. You know, trying these kinds of things, I think, is what life is all about. Yeah, I'm always astonished. I live in an area that's fairly remote, and so people don't go out and do much. I'm on the eastern shore of Maryland. The number of people that have never crossed the Bay Bridge to go over to Annapolis or Washington or Baltimore, it's like, well, why? I know. I was like, I can't, I can't imagine not having that, that sense of adventure at some, at some point. Um, and I don't know why I was raised in a very traditional Catholic family in Baltimore. I was supposed to be a teacher or a nurse and I went off on my own way. Um, sometimes I think maybe I was switched to birth and it's not really my family, <laughs> but just the, I remember as a kid, it was Saturday night at the movies. Remember all the old TV shows, Bonanza Saturday. And I'd sit there right. with an Atlas and I'd look at all these different places. And what's it like to live in Maine? And what's it like to be near the Grand Canyon? And how do you spell A-L-B-Q-B-Kirky, you know? And then Ron being in the military to get a chance to live in England for six years. Right. Thank you, American taxpayers, for picking up the tab <laughs> for that. I just, 
you know, yeah. I, this December, a friend of mine did one of my my bucket list. I had always wanted to go to Germany and see all the Chris Kindle Marts. Mm. And I can speak a little German, but I could probably go over and manage on my own. But yeah. so she and I signed up for one of the barge cruises down the Danube, hitting all of these places. I was just magic. We got to Vienna and um, it was night and they were taking everybody else to a concert. Well, she and I had both seen this concert in the past. So we go into Vienna on our own around St. Stephen's, which is the big, the, the, the main cathedral with that. That's got all the, the Chris Kringle stuff set up and the decorations over the streets were these giant look like waterfalls and um, chandeliers and snowflakes. And we're like, this is great. And the music's playing. And then it starts to snow. And I'm like, okay, oh, check wow. that one off. How we, magical. Oh, well, then we heard, we could see um, police lights coming towards us. And we thought, uh-oh, because of the past couple of years, there have been some acts of terrorism at these. And we thought, oh, no. But nobody's panicking. And what it was, they were escorting a motorcycle club that had decorated all of their cars like they were sleighs with Santas. And the one man had a an animatronic reindeer that was singing Christmas carols. How like, cute. how magic. And there magic. are people that, that have, I can't understand people that don't have that sense of, of curiosity. Of, even if you can't travel, read. You've got right. the internet. You right. know, you, there, there's every museum in the world. Well, uh, one of my has sponsors. Its own, its own site now. Yeah, one of my sponsors who I didn't talk about today is Road Scholar, R-O-A-D. Oh, yes, they're fabulous. And they have now online travel experiences. So if you can't really oh. travel, you can still go and watch it yeah. online. So, yeah. There's, there's some that are, um, I think it's context travel. There's a number of them that they have courses. They're mm -hmm. not necessarily travel courses. But there'll be um, one man, I don't particularly like him, but he's doing a series on great films. Okay. So it'll be like, um, you know, the, the best mystery films ever or the best spy films ever. And he, he spends a lot of time working on them. There's another man that he calls himself the Broadway Maven. And he'll take <laughs> one Broadway show a week or whatever and analyze it. And how can you not be fascinated by that? Right. And nowadays with the computer, it's right here. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's the message we want to get out, that that you can still be curious. You can always be learning. You can try new things and yeah. and, and face your fears. You know, that I mean, we all get scared about trying new things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there, so you do it anyway. Yeah, it's it's. If you don't do it, it'll still be there and you'll still be afraid. I think I read some something that every day do one thing that scares you. You know, sometimes if it's, you know, the end of the month and I know bills are coming in, it's, you know, opening the mailbox. Other times it's stepping on the scale. <laughs> you know, I went away last week. Now I don't want to step on the scale. Right, <laughs> right. The holiday and all. So tell uh, me, Fran, how long do you think you'll keep riding? Um... There's a there's a prayer and it says, Dear Lord, never let me know the last time I've ridden a horse. So the last time I rode was several months ago. My knee was giving me trouble. And it wasn't my horse because I've lost mine. I was riding this big Clydesdale thoroughbred whose name is Budweiser. So I was riding Bud and my knee was hurting. I said, I can't ride. And I got off. And the knee is well, is better now. 
but now I'm in the process of moving to a new city and I've got a bat. But where I'm moving has a lot of horses. So I am hoping that within the year I'll be back on, maybe sooner. And I don't even want to think about how long until I can. I mean, Her Majesty rode two weeks before she died. There's a picture of her on a horse, and that's the last they said, you shouldn't ride. And she says, I'm the queen out of my way. And uh, she was 96. You know, the my, my favorite story, it's a lady by the name of, oh, what was her name? Nancy. The one Sandra. in your book about the 80s. The one in the something. book. Yeah. She was 101 or 102, and she went out for her daily ride on her lively horse named Dr. Pepper. And apparently when she asked him to canter, he gave a little buck, and she went flying. And when uh, the EMT showed up, a par- I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a great story. She apparently said or allegedly said, somehow I'd hope my last dismount would not have been so dramatic. Right. And she was apparently pretty badly banged up and passed away a few days later. She was either 101 or 102. That's I'm in there. That know, would be right? so That's the way fabulous. you want to go. <laughs> if I'm going to live that long, I want to be able to still be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Know. And then yeah. if for some reason I can't physically ride, I'll be one of those people up there helping the children on the therapeutic courses or working at a, a uh, you know, at a rescue. rescue. Yeah. They're, they're always looking for people to do something. Yeah. And so if I can't be on the horse, which is not vital, there are whole things now where they have like horse agility classes, like with dogs. Oh, really? And all the stuff you do, what's called at Liberty, where you're not on the horse, you've taught the horse with hand signals and with with your your lead line and all to to play that you can go online and look up some of these stuff some of them they do little dance routines oh, um, cool. so you don't have to be on the horse there's a, a fixation that if you're not riding it's not being around horses or it's not appropriate and some people pick up a lot of flack for that but i think if you're with the horse and the two of you are having fun that's what it should be all about well, and like you said at the beginning, you know, the, the calmness that people get from the horses is um, yeah. a big part of it. So yeah. I always ask for a couple of takeaways. Do you have uh-huh. one or two takeaways that you would like to leave for the audience today? Well, that you know, what we were just talking about, never, never give in to other people's expectations for you if it's not what's right for you. And, um, you know, don't lose your sense of adventure. Don't lose your sense of fun. Uh, and I think those are the, the things. And again, that, that you can do whatever, pretty much whatever you want to. And yeah. that's the purpose of life. Yeah. Well, Fran, I appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. Um, you can reach Fran by emailing her at fran at ridersofacertainage.com. And you can also go to her website, which is ridersofacertainage.com. Try to, you see a little bit of a theme in there. (laughs) (laughs) And good luck with the move. Hope you get back on horses soon, sooner than later. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. This has been marvelous. I hope, I hope your, your audience and the rest of us boomers had a good time. Well, it has been fun. And I love that we, you know, talked about many things, but the horses and the adventure, I think that's the, that's the exciting part. And I've learned about horses too, from reading your book. So thank We're you We're going to get that. you around. We may not get you on a horse, but we'll get you fussing with them. I, I could, I could 
brush a horse. I'm sure Absolutely. I could do that. Feed him a carrot. Feed, feed him, him a carrot. carrot. <laughs> yes. They'll love you even more. My friend Christine is probably also going to get me around a horse too. Super. And she is the one that um, I talked about earlier. She is the one that has the site, theperfectcatch.com. Yes. So if you are thinking about dating again, or you're in a new relationship and you want a little extra mm, insights, support, whatever, reach out to Christine at theperfectcatch.com. For my stuff, you can go to heyboomer.biz and download the vitality assessment. It really is. It's free. It's interesting. Go ahead and do that. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, go to heyboomer.biz slash coaching and schedule a 20 minute complimentary coaching call with me. You'll learn something either way. Um, so it costs you nothing to do that. And you may find that signing up for the what's next group coaching program will be exactly what you want to do next. So it's heyboomer.biz slash coaching. Super. All right. So next week, um, let's see. Fran wrote a book about riding during the pandemic. And you can order it off the website. And you can order <laughs> it off the website. My guest next week also wrote a book during the pandemic about a different type of riding that she did. She found a lot of things falling apart in her life all at the same time, right about the time the pandemic hit. So she decided to get into her motorhome and start traveling across the country. And she managed to talk to a lot of people, socially distanced, about what was their experience during the pandemic. Oh, neat. And turns out that she had enough of these interviews to make a book. And so she wrote a book called Who Are We Now? How the Pandemic Has Affected People's Outlook. It's, it is. And it's fun. She's a very fun person. And, and she loves being in her motorhome. She loves talking to people. She has a great story and a way of turning lemons into lemonade. So I would suggest that you all tune in next week for that show. And I always like to leave you with the belief that you can live with passion, live with courage, and live with relevance. And remember that we are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. My name is Wendy Green, and this has been Hey Boomer. Hey Boomers, 40% of Americans have a hard time swallowing pills. So when it's time to take your vitamins, large capsules and pills are out of the question. I certainly don't like those. So we know gummy vitamins exist, but they're full of sugar. They get stuck in your teeth and they only contain a fraction of the nutrients that you need. Luckily, Easy Melts has discovered the ultimate vitamin sweet spot. Vitamins that melt in your mouth, taste like a treat and are packed with nutrients ready for absorption, all without an ounce of sugar. For a limited time, Easy Melts is giving Hey Boomer listeners a free three-month supply of vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash heyboomer. Say goodbye to the old way of taking your vitamins and hello to the easy way.